online with Ammer the Internet Guy. Stream it today on your favorite podcast platforms. This podcast focuses on entrepreneurs and business owners, helping them become more successful in conducting their business on the web without being stuck with technology, getting a headache, pulling their hairs out, or buying expensive software. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number one from season two of Online with the Internet Guy. First, uh, thank you very much for those of you who were asking about that long pause that we had uh, during the summer uh, for the show. So basically, there was a lot going on and we were doing some changes to the business structure. Uh, but also, I had like a little bit of an injury that I picked up playing soccer. And I was thinking the injury put me off work for a few days. And during that time, I had the clarity to think about the show and what I want to do with it and to also respond to some of the ideas and the suggestions that I received. And I realized that the best length for a podcast episode is somewhere between 20 and 30 minutes, maximum 40 minutes if really, you know, we're doing an interview and we're enjoying ourselves and the interview takes a little bit longer. But other than that, I realized that I need to come back with season two and do it in a new way. So without further ado, let's get into today's episode. And today's episode is about websites that work or what is a working website or, you know, it's kind of like, have you ever asked yourself whether your website is working or not? And I don't mean by working as in if it's down or not showing, but I mean, does it actually work for you? Does it work for your business? Does it do what it's supposed to do? Um, did you see a return on investment uh, from your website? Because, you know, let's face it, uh, a website is an investment. I know that many business owners, especially startups, could sometimes look at websites as a cost, uh, but that's wrong. A website is an investment or a marketing tool. So it's not really a cost. It's an investment in your business. And whether you spend $10 or $10,000 on your website, you need a return on that investment. And I mean, you know, some business owners, they come and say, hey, you know what? I was starting up and I didn't have a budget to hire a web designer, but I had a lot of time and I've decided, you know what? I'm going to do it on my own. I'm going to build my website alone. And I know many think this way. And, you know, it's not entirely wrong if you think that your time is not worth money. So if you think you have a lot of time and you want to spend 60 hours or 100 hours building your own website, that might look like a great idea because you're not spending much money. But how much does your hour cost? And could you have spent these 60 or 100 hours to better your skill, for example, or to put a, a good process for your business? or could you have spent it networking or looking for prospect customers or talking to people about your business or selling? You know, like, could this time be spent elsewhere to be more valuable to you and to bring more return on your investment? So in any case, even if you've done that and you built your own website, you've invested that many hours in it. So how would you be able to calculate the return on that investment? 
So ask yourself this and think about why did you want to have a website at the first place? Like many people don't think about it. Many people think I want to have a website because everybody else has a website. Yeah, I mean, mere presence is not the goal here. You want a website so that you can serve your audience. You want a website so that you can achieve something and you got to be able to measure that. So let me give you examples. You know, um, let's switch. Instead of you thinking as a business owner, think of the times when you were a customer and you've gone to a website, any website that you go to. Why did you go there and what were you looking for? So, you know, basically, let's say I'm going on Amazon.com, right? So clearly I'm going there because I want to buy something. So if I get to Amazon and Amazon is giving me the story about Jeff Bezos and, you know, how he started the business and how Amazon grew year on year, I have zero interest in that. I'm going there because I'm looking for a specific item that I want to buy. And I want to be able to search and get a quick result on my search. And I want that result to be more or less accurate because I don't want to scroll up and down forever or I will lose interest and get out of there and go shop elsewhere. So the site has to give me exactly what I came there looking for, no more and no less. The same thing, let's say I'm not visiting an e-commerce website. Let's say I'm looking for uh, a window cleaner for my house to go to come and clean you know, the outside part of my house. So what I wanna do, what I, what I wanna do when I get there, uh, to the website i'm looking for information that you know I, basically i'm looking to see whether they're a good fit for what i want so i want information about the service that they deliver uh which areas do they serve how long do they take between the booking like you know can i book for tomorrow or do i have to book for next week or next month uh, and of course, how much does it cost? Whether it's how much does it cost to come and clean or as a project or how much does it cost per hour? And then I would see if that suits me or not. Also, I'm looking for information about, you know, what else do they do? Like, do they just do window cleaning or do they do inside cleaning? Can they do both? Is there a discount if I buy both at the same time? Uh, things like that. Let's also assume that I'm looking for a different service. Let's see, for example, let's say I'm looking for a dentist or an orthodentist because one of my kids needs braces. Now, this becomes a little bit more complicated because I'm not only looking for information on the service, but I'm also going to be looking for reviews from past customers to see whether people were happy with the result that they got or not, especially that the investment that I'm about to make for something like, uh, you know, braces, for example, um, it's kind of a sizable investment. Like, you know, it costs on average, I think, uh, six to $10,000 could be more in some cases. So this time I'm going to be really careful and I want to find a little bit more information and that includes what's the opinion of other past customers in the business. So when you think as a customer, it gives you the the ability to figure out what people are looking for. You don't have to become an SEO expert. You don't have to do keyword research even. 
all we need to do is to figure out what people are looking for so think as a customer yourself that's the first thing that you should think about and then once you've figured out what people want from your website you can start thinking about the content that you're going to give them or the information or you know whatever you're going to give them you got to give them what they want right so in order to make your website work for you in order to get a return on your investment the step that almost everyone forgets about is to figure out why people would come to my website in the first place and what do they want to get out of it once you answer that question you can move to step number two so let's give the example of somebody who's a, a nutritionist as an example and they're building their website so the first thing that they should think about when it comes to why people would visit the website is that people would normally be looking for easy to do recipes uh, programs that they can follow some people would be coming there to look for general health like healthy food healthy eating how to create healthy eating habits stuff like that other people would be looking to lose weight and they're looking for uh, a nutritionist to either work with them or they're looking for information like free information that they can find on the website so the first thing is when you think about building a website if you're that nutritionist is to figure out what do you want to give the people like you want to give the people something of value the moment your page loads so like a, a download a pdf that has healthy recipes or something like that and then once they download that you can then enter them in your uh, process whatever that process is like how would you like to follow up with them later and we are going to cover this point later on uh, but since we're still in the point of giving people what they want these would be uh, generally the things that people will be looking for when they come to your website and you should give it to them right away homepage up there like without scrolling like your your uh, your premium real estate of the page which is the top part that shows right to the user before they scroll or they even touch their mouse so now that we've covered why people come to your website and what they're looking for so you see like this is not complicated right it's it's simple if you think as a customer first and figure out what they're looking for uh, the common mistake that people do is to write their content as if they're speaking to their own industry we all do that like <laughs> everybody is a culprit of that but you should try as much as possible not to do that you're not writing your website you're not creating your page so that you could address your industry or your competition you're actually addressing your audience or your customers or your prospects so you should be speaking their language not your language a very common example when i used to work in technical support uh, people would call the help desk and ask the help desk agent uh, um, to create a passport and then we knew or that they forgot their passport so if you're not aware what they're talking about they're actually talking about their password not their passport right but 
where we worked, many people would call in. English wasn't their first language, like it's not mine either. Uh, but they would call in and say like, hey, uh, I forgot my passport. And then if the agent is not trained well enough, they would just say, I'm really sorry. Like, I don't understand. Why are you calling the technical help desk about your passport? But since we knew, after a couple of calls, of course, we started to notice that many people call the password the passport and we got the agent trained for it. And now that when somebody calls <laughs> looking for their passport, we know that they're looking to reset their password, right? So this is the thing. Speak your audience language. Don't speak your industry's language because you, you'll alienate uh, the audience that you're trying to serve. So this is the first point. So point number one in a website that works is give people what they're looking for, right? Now, in order to cover point number one properly, let's address some of the resistance that we get uh, and we all fall, you know, uh, we all fall into. So the main point is that people hate writing, right? They don't know what to write. They hate writing. They don't want to spend time writing. They think they're not good enough in writing and so on. So think of it this way. Can you talk about your business? Like if you if you're in a networking event or if you go in a, you know, you go somewhere and you meet people for the first time and someone asks you, hey, what do you do? Would you be able to tell them what you do? You would, right? It's simple, isn't it? So instead of trying to figure out how to write, actually you can talk to your phone. You can dictate your phone. Both iPhones and Android phone systems have like a, an audio to text button where you can just click and dictate your phone and your phone will write for you, right? Yes, it will make mistakes and you have to train it to use your voice, but if you do this, if you dictate your phone first, you will get it off your mind. You'll get the whole idea off your mind faster and then you could go on and look at the text and then edit it whichever way you like and you can correct the mistakes and boom, now you have your content. It's very simple, right? So once you've created content for your main page or your home page, you can then move into the next page. And please do not do the mistake of getting overwhelmed because you're thinking about your 10 pages or 15 pages or even five pages. Don't think about that. Think about one page. Right now you're working on one page. Once it's done, you can move on to the next page. So you, you, you've moved on from your main page uh, homepage, and then now you should be thinking about About Us. And the About Us is mainly you telling people what makes you or your business unique. Many website visitors don't really care about it, but some people would go there to have a look. Uh, generally speaking, when I visit a website and I'm interested to buy any of their products or, or services, sometimes I'm interested to figure out where they're located because I want someone who is closer to my time zone. So whenever I need support, I know that they'll be responding within a day or two and sometimes even within a few hours. Uh, so it, it's important, but it's also, it depends on, on the service that you're buying. I mean, sometimes the service that you want is thousands of miles away and that's okay. It's not a big deal. But as a preference, especially if I'm buying physical products, I'd love to buy my physical products in Canada so that if I have to return them, 
I don't have to ship them somewhere else and pay a lot of money uh, for shipping. And of course, I would go places that have free shipping or free returns first. Okay, let's not digress here. So in the about, people, some people visit the about page for different reasons. It's a good idea always to give like uh, a quick glimpse of, you know, why you do what you do. <laughs> why do you have a passion in there? Where did it come from? Without like giving them like a 24 pages worth of your life story, right? Uh, but what makes you why, you, why you do what you do, what makes you unique? And how, how do you think even, I mean, every one of us, everybody thinks they're different, right? So you put that like, how do you think you're different from your competition? What do you do that you think your competition doesn't? Or, or how do you do it differently, right? What makes your service or your product uh, a quality service or a quality product that goes in the about page and again if you're dictating this into your phone you're gonna get it done within a couple of hours max you know even a few minutes if you're if the idea is in your head right away now the next page usually is our services page or the services page and i have mixed feelings about it um having one page that lists four or five services sometimes can be confusing to the visitor and it's certainly confusing to search engines because they don't know which service to rank what keyword is the main keyword for that specific page so where would the bot from the search engine focus and how would you rank within that specific keyword because like the page itself isn't focused on something specific it's just services right so I would love to create one page per service. This makes it easier for website visitors to focus because not every visitor has interest in every service. Probably each visitor just has interest in one specific area of your business. So that one specific page is the most variable page for that specific user, right? So it is always a great idea to create one page per service but if you still want an an our services page like a page that acts like an anchor that lists four five ten services and each one has a button to learn more and then when you click the button you go to that specific service page that's okay too search engines love having specific services page like one page per service uh, and where everything is focused over there and of course when you speak about your specific service the keywords will be there you know by default you don't have to you don't have to worry about learning seo or hiring an agency or hiring someone for seo if you just talk about each service as if you're talking to someone you met as if you're networking or doing your elevator pitch that's it. That's more than enough for search engines to pick it up and rank you. And if you keep blogging, for example, about that specific service, writing a post every now and then about this service or that service, search engines see that you're active, that your website is active, that it has fresh content, and your ranking would improve bit by bit. And with time, you'd be ranked quite high without having to spend money on ads without having to spend countless hours learning SEO 
and certainly without hiring an agency uh, that will only work if you have deep pockets. And if you don't have deep pockets, in most cases, you will not get any result for whatever you're paying. But again, let me not digress. So now that we've covered the first aspect of give people for a website that works, the first aspect or the first pillar is give people what they want, right? Pillar number two, or the second aspect of a website that works is actually a website that works. <laughs> Meaning the website that works for the users. So now that they can find the information they're looking for uh, because you've given them what they want, the navigation on your site needs to be clear. So your top menu or your side menu or bottom menu or whatever you want to have your menu should be clear. And what I mean by that is like, Many websites look great, but you get there and you feel like you're stuck. You see the piece of information that you like, but you want to learn more. You click on a button, you find yourself on a page where you have no return from there. Like you don't know why you're on that page or you get to the page and you realize this is not what you're looking for and you want to go back. So initially think of it this way. You want people to go from one page to another, even from one paragraph to another, without having to hit the back button of their browser. You want them to be clicking that on your page. So you need to have a good navigation plan. And this is essentially one of the things that makes the big difference between uh, a templated, cheap, quick website and a professionally designed website that is built from the ground up. So a professionally designed website that's built from the ground up usually has a very clear navigation plan. And when we build websites for our clients, sometimes we have to change that navigation plan to make it more user-friendly. So sometimes the business owner would suggest uh, things to go in the menu, but then if we put them in the menu exactly as they are, the menu would be humongous and then it will not fit even in one line on top of the page and it will look odd to have two line of menus right so sometimes we need to discuss the main item and then the sub items that will be under the main item so that building a hierarchy for the menu while making it user friendly so people would know where they are you know when they're on a on a specific page on the website and also how they can get back to where they were and how can they get to from one service to another, right? And one of the common mistakes, and again, I don't know. I mean, let's not call it a mistake, but it's a common thing that we all do. You look there and you see a word called blog. I don't really think that many visitors who land on your website for the first time would be interested to click on the word blog. I don't know why, but it doesn't look that inviting. So you can call it by the name that you will blog about. So if you're blogging about health, you can say, I don't know, health resources. If you're blogging about podcasting, you can say podcast resources. If you're blogging about web design, you can say web design resources or something like that. Uh, or you can say, you know, check our latest videos, check our latest web design videos, assuming, of course, that you're posting your web design videos in your web design blog. So 
the navigation is very important and it's one of the aspects that make your website work. Now, pillar number three or aspect number three is again one of the main deciders or one of the main differences between a cheaply done quick website and a professionally designed website. And this is very important. And let me tell you, the majority of business owners get it wrong. And so many web designers also get it wrong. Is simply the website performance, the website loading speed, right? So what's the use? I mean, think of it this way. What's the use of having the greatest website ever that you spent, I don't know, $30,000 in the building, but then it loads so slow, so nobody gets to see it because nobody's willing to wait for it to load. This is very, very common. We all want websites that look great, right? And almost now, almost every, with the new technologies and the new templates and, and the new Word, WordPress themes, every website can look great. Like it doesn't, it doesn't need like to cost you an arm and a leg, you know, but it's not just about looks. That's exactly what we're talking about. It has to look good, but it also, and more importantly, it has to work, right? So if it's not loading on time, if it's slow loading, no one will get to see it, right? So we need to actually look after that aspect. The, the common thing that prevents, like, okay, so what prevents a web page from loading quickly? Or what takes time when the page is loading? In most cases, the, the, the two things that take most of the time would be videos and images. So if you have a video uh, on your web page and this video loads by default without being clicked, this will slow down your page. Even if the video is hosted on YouTube and you're just linking it on the page, it is still an issue. And there are techniques that web designers can use when embedding those videos uh, that will make them not load uh, by default when the page is first loaded and only load when someone clicks it. Uh, or lazy loading, whereby the rest of the page items would load and then the video would load. And the second thing is more common because not everyone have uh, not everyone has videos on their web pages. Uh, but the second and the most common one is images. We all love images. They make website look much better and they can, you know, an image is worth a, a thousand words. So they can make uh, your message arrive uh, to your audience faster. They can describe what you do faster. Images are great. And sometimes even, you know, when you have some photos and stuff, they create a personal connection with your audience or with your website visitors. So we all love them. The problem is, if you take an image from your phone and just post it on your website, that file size is humongous. Like a, a good resolution image from your phone would be something like at least two megabytes, if not more than that. I've seen images that are five megabytes, nine megabytes, right? But you got to ask yourself this question. People are limited by the size of their screen. And if they're visiting your website from a mobile screen, they won't really see your full-size image anyway. It looks much smaller on their screen. It just has to look good, right? So these images, they have to have the specific size that makes them look good on a computer screen as well as on a mobile phone and a tablet.
and there are specific sizes that designers use and repurpose the image to fit that specific size. But if you don't have experience building websites or if you're a business owner building it for yourself or if you're using your nephew or your friend uh, or, you know, some of these cheap and cheerful services overseas somewhere, they might not know that. They might just take your images and use them as they are, just post them on the page and thinking like, wow, this image looks great. So let's just put it as it is. And then it will end up bogging down your page and preventing it from loading fast. So images, they have to be resized, repurposed. They also have to be compressed. And then they have to be cached. And almost every website now has a caching plugin. And I don't want to get into the technicality of what caching is, but basically it preloads the images in the browser of the user. That That's what cache is. Like it kind of preloads the stuff that you have on your web page to your visitor's browser so that the next time they visit the website, these things load from their own browser instead of from your hosting server. And it saves a lot of time and it makes your website load so fast. So these technicalities, these little bits and bobs, like uh, <laughs> bobs, bits and bobs, um, are very important to make your website load faster, to optimize the loading of your page. And as I said, it's mostly images and videos. And if you take care of that, nine times out of 10, your page is going to be loading way faster than it was before. Now, the last thing in our optimization or the website speed of loading is your hosting. This is very important as well. Like I can't stress enough the importance of having the right hosting partner as well as the right hosting plan. Uh, people go on and buy the cheapest hosting they can find on earth. And I don't understand why, because that's not only going to be slow and will kill your website's loading speed, but it can also kill your reputation because if it's not secure enough, if it's not with a reputable company, your website can easily get hacked or get infected with malicious code from the hosting itself, let alone your website's own security, right? So you need to be hosting with a reputable company. Usually most professional web designers have tried and tested at least 10 hosting companies before deciding which one works best for them and for the stuff that they use when they build their own websites. So ask your web designer uh, what would they recommend with hosting and do not pay your hosting three or four years up front. Technology changes. Hosting companies, uh, you know, sometimes bring new technologies, new servers, new data centers. Sometimes they even have uh, Black Friday offers or Halloween specials or whatever it is. Uh, so don't be fooled by the offers you get when you're signing up for your hosting. And don't, don't be fooled into paying three, four years in advance because this will be pushing you to stick with the same hosting company for a long time, even when there are better options available for you, your website, and your business. So hosting is uh, very important. And I have tested at least 15 reputable hosting providers in the past couple of years. 
until I figured out the two or the three hosting providers that I would work with or recommend to my clients. Um, if you're interested uh, in that, I'm going to put the link underneath this podcast. Uh, I have this um, hosting, like how to choose your hosting. I have a video uh, and a PDF document together that explains to you what's important in hosting and how can you choose between one and another. So this wraps up this episode of our podcast and this wraps up how would you have a working website. So we've discussed giving users or visitors of your website what they want. We've discussed how you can easily write content for your website by dictating your phone, using your voice, and then editing that later on. We've discussed the importance of having clear navigation menu and a clear navigation plan. And we've discussed website optimization or page speed loading and what would affect it positively or negatively and what you need to do in order to make sure that your website loads quickly. My last point, which determines, well, I mean, there are a couple of points, but there's one of them that I will not talk about a lot because it's very common knowledge, which is having a call to action. Every website must have a call to action. You need to ask your user or your website visitor to engage with the site and take a specific action. And you need to give them specifically uh, something that will be of value to them that you think they will not be able to find elsewhere online. So it, it has to be something of value. Like the example that I said earlier uh, with the nutritionist and giving them a downloadable PDF that has healthy eating recipes. And usually these recipes also have the shopping list for the recipe. What do you need to go and buy from your groceries uh, and so on? So the call to action, of course, is very important and it's a way you can measure whether your website is successful or not by measuring the number of people downloading your resource or the number of people contacting you from the website or the number of people filling your request for quotation and things like that. So this is the call to action. But the part that I want to talk about is the business process, is what happens after the call to action. Because from experience, so many websites, once people fill in a form or download a resource or do take the action that you want them to take, you do not receive the email from your website. So you don't know that somebody took the action that you asked them to take. And this is very, very, very bad. Building a website, spending money, building a professional website, paying money for a good hosting, doing all that, only to end up not receiving the email from the website is extremely bad because you wouldn't know that uh, people took the action and then you wouldn't be able to follow up with them. So again, it's very important to be very careful with you know, the email that comes out of your website. When your website is nearly ready and is ready to launch, you need to extensively test it and you need to test it with different emails. So you need to use a Gmail once, a Microsoft mail, another email and see if you're getting all of these messages or not or if they're ending up in spam. Um, there are cases when the email will end up in spam or when Google would think that it's a promotion and would put it in another tab 
like the promotions tab or the social tab in your Gmail and you wouldn't see it. And then when you see it after five, six days, it's too late to follow up with the prospect because it's not a timely operation, right? So it's important to make sure that your website is sending those emails. Not only that it's sending those emails, but that those emails will not end up in somebody's spam box. Otherwise, it's useless, right? And of course, the other thing is when you do receive the email and everything is good, you got to respond. So you can automate that so the user can get an automatic response suggesting something or telling them, hey, welcome, we're really glad that you've decided to take that action. Here are the next steps. If you need anything, contact us. Here's my email, whatever. Like something that makes people feel valued and welcomed and entices them to take the next step. Uh, this could be just one email. After they take the action, they get that email. Or it could be a series of a sequence of emails that, you know, uh, they get a welcome message first and then after three days or something, they get an offer or they get a, you know, something specific that entices them to take the next step. And then the next time after maybe five days or a week or whatever, uh, you could segment this further and, and see if people responded they get an offer. If they didn't respond, they get a different email and so on. That's a business process. It's not pretty much the website thing as a website itself, but it's a business process that you have to write down on a piece of paper first before you try to automate it. The common mistake is that people try to use the software to automate that business process without having that process clearly uh, mapped out on a piece of paper. You cannot automate a process that does not exist. So first, have your process, clarify it, test it on paper, test it with a client, test it manually even, and then once you realize what works and what doesn't, you can then decide what to do. Are you going to use an automatic email or are you going to write emails to the people personally or you know, are you going to buy a software or have a specific CRM system that helps you get that done and so on but the main thing is have a clear process write it down on a piece of paper even before building your website right test it out make sure that things are working well for you as well as for your clients and then you can automate that you can ask for your web designer's help or um, a marketing agency's help or somebody else um, you know they can help you with choosing the software and automated automating that process for you. Once you got that once you got that done, you now have a fully working website that can work for you and provide a return on the investment of your time, effort as well as your money. If you have any questions, feel free to hit me. My contacts are going to be below this uh, podcast. Thank you very much for listening to our show. This show would not have been successful without you guys so again thank you and i wish you all the success bye hey before you go i would like to remind you that if you have a wordpress based website you need to be really looking after its maintenance and security and having a professional looking after it so if you feel overwhelmed or if you feel that this back end and boring stuff is something that you don't want to do please do hire someone but 
get it done do not delay this do not leave your wordpress website not updated do not leave your plugins not updated this will open it up for hacking and malware and you don't want that if you're unsure head to my website humantalents.ca that's human talents one word humantalents.ca and click there you'll be able to book uh, a, a, like a 30 minute consultation and we can discuss this together and see if we can help you thank you and see you in the next episode